You're listening to 50% Facts, the show where we try to answer specific questions on an individual topic, and then at the end, we bring in an expert to give you the real answers. I'm Jim McDonald. And I'm Mike Farr. Welcome to our show. Okay, this is going to date this episode, but I'd like to point out that um, that my Giants are now number two in the National League West. <clears throat> they went on a run. They've won like 16 of the last 20, something like that. I don't watch any baseball, but we'll play uh, Call of Duty or stream with uh, Marcus sometimes, our boy Filipino uh-huh. Thunder, and he'll have the game on the background. You hear him like screaming at people <laughs> on the game while we're trying to... He's a big Giants fan. Yeah. But uh, the crazy thing about that is that they're in they're in second place, but they're fourteen and a half games back Yikes. from the Dodgers, who were in first place, which just tells you that sometimes in life you could be number two, but number two is so far yeah. down the scale. That's a lot of things. I I people don't want to hear that. Yeah, but people don't want to hear that. People That's just don't, the truth. But it is true. Yeah. you can you know you can be. Uh, relatively successful from that position too, though. For sure. You know, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just got to come to grip and like, I don't know how healthy it is or not, but I just like try to just stay in my own bubble more. Like, hey, my things are doing good. Instead of comparing my things to Omar Esau's things thing. or Barquan's things. And obviously that's easier said than done with social media. I'm, I am looking at other people's shit and I get down. Like, well, they're, yeah, your, they're your friends too. So yeah, you yeah, hear yeah, what's yeah. going on yeah, with them. And yeah, stuff. yeah. And, and other, you know, network and the fitness industry or whatever. I'm like, damn, they're doing this and I'm not doing that. But like to find like happiness, I just find my routine and then any kind of growth is good enough for me. But people don't want that either. People, I want to be the best or I'm not going to do it at all or shut the fuck up. I think sometimes too with that kind of growth, you can't tell... Um, but you're actually, you're getting deeper, but not getting, not getting broader. So your, your audience might be, might look the same, but you're getting deeper because you're, you know, you're providing more information. For sure. You're showing more of yourself. You've been at it for longer. And, um, yeah, that's everything I want to do is culture and community. You know, that's what we try to build here and on my Twitch and on my YouTube and Instagram or whatever. Me and Connor were talking about this the other day. He had a college friend that uh, blew up like 50 million views on a bunch of YouTube stuff, yeah. doing pranks, um, tons of videos, 4 million subscribers, all this stuff. Numbers I can't even fathom, you know, 100 times what my YouTube's channel's done. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, that's very cool. I was like, one, I don't know if this kid loves doing pranks. Two, you know, sure, he's adding entertainment to people's lives, but like three, like do people feel connected to him? And that's like my goal is to like share my story, my path, my knowledge with people so that they feel connected when they're in like a lost place. So they can either smile, they can learn, or they can progress mm-hmm. connecting to me and my story. We're just doing pranks all the time. And then even on a business standpoint, like what are you buying from a pranks guy? Like there's no connection. There's no depth. Right. Right. It's just broader and broader and broader. Chinese finger traps. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Whoopee fucking cushion. whoopee cushions. Yeah. Like you're, you're not doing spray. anything where like, um, people believe in my knowledge, they believe in my path, and so I can help people along the way in multiple things from my business and even just the content. And that's obviously what our goal here, too, is to build a community that, you know, wants to find the truth on anything. You know, mm-hmm. we were talking about doing a whiskey and beer um, episode coming up. We did olive oil with my mom. Right. We, we want to do more business things here. We've done some psych stuff, some sports psych, obviously the science of nutrition and lifting, uh, even just cultural stuff. The, you know, the episodes with Omar and Eric Helms were really, really good. We're talking about kind of the cultures of bodybuilding mm-hmm. and things of that nature and on their podcast. So building, building the community and feeling good about what I do. Uh, and maybe the Giants feel great, and they don't care if they're in 14th. They feel they, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. They, you can still make a run in the playoffs. There's always like other steps and things. Sports mm. are a little different than life, sadly. Like people don't want to admit that either. But like 
Sports, sometimes people are just going to be better than you. Mm-hmm. Sports sometimes, uh, and this is sometimes in life, uh, sports are direct. You're directly going against someone else. Whether you want to say it or not, you're directly going against somebody else. It's direct competition, mm-hmm. especially at the major leagues where it's a money money game. Um, <clears throat> and then two, you just can't outwork uh, genetics uh, at the highest level. No. Um, if, 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 even the medium level, even the beginner level. You know, I got by probably first through fifth grade in basketball just being faster than everybody. And then from there, I had to get better at the game. And then, you know, you do, you, you, you need to work to be the best. But I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is, like, genetics do rule all. We've seen it in powerlifting. We see it in weightlifting. Why can some kids just squat 600, like, mm-hmm. with a year of training? And other kids never squat 600. Mm-hmm. Same body weight. Some guys can even look jacked. And not squat 600 pounds. It's just how it goes. It's genetics. Yeah, and it comes down to making the most of what you have and not trying to um, try to shoot something that you're just is never going to happen, and you're just going to disappoint yourself. For sure. You know? um, I'm I'm one of those people that I'm that is very skeptical of super crazy stretch goals that people throw out there, or even having them for myself. Yeah, and yeah. I and I'm bothered when people who haven't accomplished anything in a long time it, it will come out in public, uh, publicly in social media and say they're going to do yeah. X thing that seems really improbable. Yeah. I don't know why social media does that a whole new thing, and I don't know where what's right, wrong, or what's for you, but like just announcing your goals to the public's a little different. Like I, I told people, like, hey, I want to clean and jerk something decent and like follow my path. But that's different. Like, I'm going to the Olympics. Follow yeah, me. Yeah, or it's <laughs> going to be X weight. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know? I don't know. And even if it is, like it's... I guess it's the intent behind it makes the difference. Like, is it intent to make shock value and make people follow you? Or is it intent just saying, this is my goal. I'm now making a public to hold myself accountable and you follow me. And so, like, the intent matters a lot. Yeah, except that the studies seem to show that the accountability doesn't work that way. No, no, it's all internal no matter what. And and that there's – some people get so much of a discharge off of publicly stating a goal – that they lose yeah. their momentum for yeah, and just actually for, trying to attain it. Forget it and whatever else. Yeah, yeah it makes it easier to discharge. Yeah, which I'm, is popular with diets. People saying they're cutting, they're bulking, they're doing this or that or whatever, especially, again, with social media. It becomes so easy to walk that line of telling your story and telling your journey and yeah, trying to find motivation or accountability through it. Yeah. So in terms of making the most of, of what you got, we're talking about um, nutrient timing. If yeah. you're eating the same amount of food every day, does it matter? when you eat it yeah no matter what the composition is when you do eat it yeah because there's a lot of history of you know not eating past 7 p.m uh, all these time restrictions eating an hour before you train eating an hour after you train um higher fat in the morning or higher fat no carbs at night there's all these different rules carving up before uh, some kind of athletic performance people carving up the day before yeah people go pounds of pasta before a marathon yeah that seems like, yeah. I don't know. I'll shit myself. I, yeah, me too. But yeah, uh, so we have Dr. Mike Eschertel, he's going to answer some of that. You know, I think they're, to me, um, in my experience working with people and personal experience, one, you got to figure out like what works for you mentally and physically. And I think it even counts for podcasts. Like people say like, oh, you just talking to a microphone. Well, like, yeah, go ahead and try it, dude. I dare you. But secondly, uh, like I prep for these things. I make sure I eat at the right time. I make sure mm-hmm. I like dose my coffee at the right time. <laughs> I make sure I'm listening to good music to put me in a good mood. Uh, I do d- sometimes... Uh, do like stupid mouth drills. I make sure that I'm ready to talk. I yeah. make sure that my brain's working the same with my mouth. Um, and I'm prepared. I take a shower before each one. Uh, e- even if I've <clears throat> already showered in the morning, I'll shower again before this. It's just my mental prep. I have these things to prepare. 
for this situation that set me up for success. And I think um, nutrient timing, uh, timing your carbs, meals, water, all those things uh, can somewhat be individual. Uh, you know, I've known some people that can slam a burrito an hour before training and then smash weights. For me personally, I need two or three hours. I think the athletic endeavor obviously matters. Um, and so I think Mike, Dr. Mike will obviously agree with that. But I want to know kind of the science of what's optimal. Because I do think, blanket statement, that if you're hitting your macronutrients – Shout out to Eric Helms and kind of his pyramid of what's important in, in nutrients and, mm-hmm. and training even, and, and but definitely nutrition. Um, there's this huge basis, and you're going to get 90 to 95% of your success just hitting your macronutrients every day. Getting enough protein, carbs, and fat daily consistently for your goal will lead the most gains. Um, and then the top 5% are broken up to a couple different things. You know, it is probably nutrient timing, getting the carbs into the right time optimally for recovery and for performance, supplements quality of food mm-hmm. beyond that um you know we did another episode on soy soy protein versus you know maybe a whey protein or something that's a little bit more complete those little things will add up in the top five percent um i want to know if mike or, or, or science says that nutrient timing is maybe more important than that but everything i've come across and i've worked with um it's it's a lot more minuscule for the majority of people if you're heading towards the olympics mm-hmm. or playing in the nba Maybe you need to take a look at them to get every single edge out of it. And I, I suppose that we can also talk a little bit about like what used to be the common bodybuilder meal plan, where you ate six times a day, yeah. whatever, and for you know small meals six times a day, whatever. In terms of how that affects um, both your recovery, your gains, or whatever, and then also um, uh, your metabolism, which, which, yeah. which is another episode. But still, because training and training and um, uh, nutrition. Everything kind of, and even science, everything kind of, not science necessarily, but training, nutrition, common beliefs go in a, a seesaw pattern where, like, maybe the 90s, they got all complex. Mm-hmm. You got to have eight grams of BCAAs every half hour and all these things. And then, and then, and then th- it turns too much the other way where they simplify it too much. Yeah. Um, where they say six meals doesn't matter. But I'm pretty damn sure there's a study that shows if you equally dose your protein in f- uh, four to six meals opposed to two to three meals, you do have more protein synthesis, more recovery, more muscle gain in, in, in the, in the, in the higher meals spread out um, and that's just because of how our metabolism works you can only absorb and, uh, and synthesize so much protein at a time so if you have one meal shout out to these intermittent fasters <laughs> if you only have one meal of 200 grams of protein for me uh, or I have six meals of that 200 grams of protein um, broken up in, in four five six meals mm-hmm. it will be more optimally utilized in more meals and that is just science so how much will that affect how, how I look how I recover Maybe not noticeable for the everyday person, but in the long term, if you do that every single day for the next 10 years, and I'm trying to go to the NBA, or I'm trying to be a pro bodybuilder, mm-hmm. or I'm trying to go to the Olympics, now it may play a significant role. It, it adds up. It, and just from an experience standpoint, too, sometimes after a big workout, like I'm ravenously hungry, yeah. even, regardless of when I ate. Sometimes I'm really not. Yeah, same. Some, some, like I really just don't not not entertaining the idea of eating. And like, are you giving up something by not jumping in your eating? window? Yeah, I think there window. is a window. Uh, I know it's come from get that protein in after your last set to maybe the next two hours, and we'll yeah. see what uh, Doctor Mike has on the on the latest data. Alrighty. Support for 50% Facts comes from Manscaped, number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Talk about testicular fortitude. (laughs) They sent us a bunch of stuff, and I didn't bring any of it with. There's a freaking newspaper that explains how how to deal with your balls. I hate being gross. There's a lot of issues going on with balls, right? Yeah. I don't have any balls 
I don't have ball issues, but there's a lot of issues going on with balls. With balls. Uh, one in particular, you, you got to take care of what's going on down there, and everyone's a little bit different. I'm blessed um, with my – I think I'm blessed, I think, because I'm not a ball comparer. I've never had the locker room situation where I'm judging or looking. You know, J- Locker rooms aren't like that anymore, I feel like. That's very 90s. Uh, unless, you're, unless you're hanging out in a locker room where there are old men, in which case that yeah, will happen. Yeah, but I don't even have a locker room. Like, I, you know, like the oh, gyms yeah, I yeah, go yeah. to, like I don't have that yeah, situation. Yeah, right, right. But, but in terms of like – body hair we're gonna get a little weird here just follow along this is why you guys are here this is the content you subscribe for <laughs> you just didn't know it uh or you did know it yeah anyway go on. so i have like i don't know what ladies like and i think at the end of the day personality is going to beat all this yeah uh, i'm no love guru even though that's a topic i do want to dig into we got to find a love guru actually I, I have one of mine remind me after this okay but uh i got a little chest hair a little tummy hair mm-hmm. and then and then i actually think it's only from powerlifting. Because uh, I have like spare hairs on my traps right where the squat bar goes. Uh, oh, that's interesting. And that's 100%, 50% facts. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? My legs are a little hairy. My arm hair I actually enjoy. It's not too hairy, not little. And then and then balls. I'd imagine my balls are average. Yeah. I don't know. Again, because yeah. I don't have this comparison going on with the balls. But, but you got to take care of what's going on down there. Yeah. And one of the biggest points uh, with the support of our homies over at Manscaped who back us 1,000% <laughs> yes. is that – and I never thought of this because I don't think I've done it, but I probably have. And you guys can think I'm gross and unfollow me on Instagram, but be sure you subscribe here. Is that uh, you need different uh, razors and hopefully a buzzer. I think a buzzer is always the go-to for your nuts uh, or surrounding area, yeah. which is probably more important than your nuts itself, in your face. Yeah. And that's number one solution in my eyes that Manscapes come up with is a safe tool to handle your man parts without getting like cut up or like uh, not chafe but like razor burn. Yeah. They have a, they 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 basically invented a safe blade to handle because your inner thighs are real sensitive. My yeah. inner thighs are real sensitive, kinda above you know, below the belly button, above the root, I believe a dick root <laughs> is what Instagram calls it, is very, very sensitive as well. And that those are the parts we're talking about. Like people talk about about, oh, shave your nuts, but the nuts are actually probably the least issue, I think, it's I, surrounding environment. I would tend to agree with you there, and I'm going to go someplace with this as well. Um, so, like, my back can get pretty hairy, yeah. and they Manscaped does not currently have a product for that. I use a different product for that, but it is super aggressive. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. and I will, I will like, like cut my back up using this. This it's it's on a stick for you some can reason it your, out. your head can handle those things yeah but like the rest of our body is almost more sensitive but you think it'd be the opposite yeah my my back ends up you know however there was a point recently when i said hey i own this shaver situation on a stick and my big concern isn't so much my balls as it is um you know, turning my lower body into a Star Trek thing, like invasion by the Klingons yeah. around the area that's behind your balls. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it's, it dawned on me, hey, I could probably buzz that area down and it would not be... As bad. Yeah, yeah it yeah, would yeah. not be as yeah. uh, friendly to Klingons, yeah, yeah. let's just say. Yeah. And uh, so I had to try... The uh, Manscaped uh, is the lawnmower. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. Lawnmower two version two. I uh, tried that down there. 
and guess what? Problem solved. Problem solved. Yeah. No, I think and, that, and I don't feel like I'm going to like buzz anything off that, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. that I need to hold on to. Yeah, you can't go down there with big old shears. No. I, I, the number one I was most stoked on, and, and this conversation's happened a lot over my years of training, is uh, you need some compression shorts. I, I'm uh, Since third grade, I've been a boxer brief guy. Yeah. Since about fifth grade, it's been a spandex boxer brief because I'm just playing basketball or I'm working out. Mm-hmm. Uh, most comfy and obviously made for athletics. But there's like a pungent odor. That really That's comes with yeah. spandex and dudes. And, and if you guys are like, my, you're so gross. I don't have that. You, you probably haven't gone through puberty yet. Or yeah. you're not wearing these things and sweating because it becomes gross. But these guys, and I actually used it. I, I, I'm not... I'm not shitting you. It works. They have a ball deodorant. It's just a nice little cream. Mm-hmm. It's like an anti-chafe, which actually, because I don't walk that much anymore, or maybe because I got a little skinnier, I don't chafe that bad anymore. Uh-huh. But the scent uh, is beautiful. And, and I, I don't know if it makes you sweat less or not, but I was wearing like thick spandex boxer briefs, uh, put these guys, on, this little cream on, you mm-hmm. just give yourself a little rub down. It's kind of awkward. Head to the it's gym. Not that awkward. Not that weird. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I've never touched. <laughs> Went to the gym, came home, no gross scent. Well, here's the thing. I was in uh, Orlando a couple weeks ago. Yeah, talk was, about Chafer. Yes, before we got the, I, actually, uh, I, we got the this delivery before I left, and I I used that stuff every damn day. Yeah, it's amazing because Orlando is one of the sweatiest places on earth. At least it seems like it to me. Uh, and that just was not a problem. Yeah, and I remember years ago uh, going to a meet in Memphis. And Memphis is also a sweat box. Yeah. And on my flight home, sitting there thinking, I can smell my own boss. Yeah. No, that I've done that all the time, playing yeah. basketball. Yeah, I course, you, you sit down in the car and you're like, what the heck is this? But we can fix it now with some ball deodorant. No exactly. joke, guys. Uh, check it out. I highly recommend uh, both the razor and the uh, deodorant. I've used both. They're amazing. 20% off right now and free shipping with code FACTS, F-A-C-T-S, at Manscaped. Dot com. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. 20% off, free shipping. Check it out. Code FACTS. FACTS. All right. Now, I think this is one of your favorite topics. I don't know. I've followed you for a long time. I've learned a ton from you. We've hung out in L.A., shot some videos, things like that. But uh, this is something that I think gets um, kind of skewed both ways. Um, and we want to dive in and just kind of get your general thoughts. Maybe we'll get a little more specific. But we want to talk about nutrient timing, um, maybe just for the general public, uh, health reasons, um, aesthetic reasons, and performance reasons. Um, and then maybe we could talk about even meal timing if you want to tie that in as well, the old school thought of eating six meals a day, stoke my furnace or whatever you're doing uh and then also yeah like timing your carbs timing your fat timing your protein how much does that matter um in the grand scheme of things well i've had my furnace stoked a number of times <laughs> it was nothing to do with food at all no carbs were involved i mean technically there were carbs but chocolate syrup uh, uh. is a lube carb <laughs> anyway how many carbs uh. how many carbs are in ky <laughs> Dude, I'm sure somebody's asked that question before. I promise you. That'll be our next episode. Yeah, how many carbs in edible panties? <laughs> like that. You're not supposed to swallow the KY. Good God. Um, so uh, meal, frequency, nutrient timing, all that good stuff. So yeah. two things to sort of start out the discussion. Thing one, for people that are interested in performance and body composition at a relatively high level – Nutrient timing probably accounts for something like 10% of the differences in effects between different diets. So mm. 
if you do intermittent fasting versus if you eat like properly timed five to six meals a day, you might have up to a 10% difference in diet result, uh, which is like, you know, it's not going to be the difference between making you an elite athlete and not an elite athlete. But like if you are gunning for the Olympics and you decide to do intermittent fasting, you might take like second or third where you would have won. I don't think anyone really wants that. So if you're like uh, if you're competitive in sport, I would I would say that nutrient timing is definitely something for you to look at. Um, if you're recreational in sport and you generally are cool, like you really like the lifestyle thing of eating multiple meals does not appeal to you, you're really just not missing out on much. So if someone tells you some shit like you're not going to gain any muscle or you're not going to get leaner if you don't eat a bunch of times a day, they're fucking full of shit. But if they tell you like you're not going to optimize your performance to within several percent of your capability – I don't know who the fuck can come no up one's to ever said that. nerdy shit like that. Yeah. You're like, I'm sorry, do I know you? Like, <laughs> Just sitting next to you on the, the bus. In when you were saying that, can you repeat that nonsense one more time? <laughs> right. Like, you know, but they would technically be correct. Right. So, <laughs> so that is, that's it for body comp performance on the health side. They've studied a bunch of diets so far from what we can tell. And the research on this is not super expansive, but there's also some animal studies and cell studies to confirm this. It probably matters almost not at all. If you eat nine times a day, once a day, or every other day, it's, and, and pretty much everything in between. So for health uh, and longevity, it probably doesn't fucking make any difference whatsoever how often you space your meals or any of that shit. But for performance, it does have some of a deal. Uh, and, and sometimes it is worth saying, some people are sort of conflicted about which one they're into. Like, I meet a lot of guys in jiu-jitsu. They're like, I fucking do intermittent fasting. I'm like, sweet, you watch Joe Rogan. And they're like, fuck, yeah, I do. And I'm like, sweet, so do I. And they're like, yeah, it's the shit. Like, it's the only thing that works. And I'm like, mm, Joe's never said that. And also, that's false. And then I'm like, dude, they're like, so they find out I have like a PhD and other bullshit. And they're like, so what do you think I should be doing? Which is really another way of asking like, yeah, please approve of my intermittent fasting. <laughs> right. And, and, uh, I'm usually like, well, you know, do you compete in jujitsu? And they're like, if they say yes, I'm like, you know, intermittent fasting is probably not the greatest idea in the world. Like you put in your fucking, your, your record on there, right? Like you want to win. You should probably eat at least three meals a day, probably more like four or five. And I can get into with you guys why that is. But like, if you're like fucking like a jujitsu dad who just is doing it for three hours every couple of weeks to get the fuck away from his family, which he hates, and the life which is crumbling around right just outside of him, then fuck it, intermittent fast away, who gives a shit? Uh, so then what does it look like if we were to optimize performance, let's say for uh, a weightlifter, powerlifter, jujitsu guy, maybe even a basketball player, um, how and why would we spread out to optimize these uh, sports? That's a great question. I was actually on a, on a, on a development team for the National Basketball Association. Did you guys know that? Do, uh, did they give you a jersey? Were you on the team? I was like technically on the team, yeah. but like not, I you know. It. I get it. That's my whole life. <laughs> that was too, yeah, I was too tall, they said. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, too jacked. Too good. I don't even team. know what that means, but, you know, I, <laughs> I can take a hint. I walked off. Okay, Mr. Um, Kobe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what they called me. That was my nickname. It's weird. How do you know that? So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, there's just a couple of concerns you have for athletes. One, there's the sort of pre-workout meal, which can be like one to four or five hours before training, depends on how big it is and depends on like how you handle food during training. Um, and that like stops off your glycogen stores, gives you good blood glucose, basically feeds your brain so you have energy and you can like psychological energy to perform. You know, like if you haven't, people say like, I love intermittent fasting and they're like, how do you feel after 16 hours of not eating? Like fucking energized. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like really? <laughs> 
Like, if, if I was like, all right, you're fucking, you wake up on a fucking island, and they're like, you know, like, these rich fucking cocksuckers are, like, hunting you, like, wow, well, you know, a hunting man, and, like, you have, like, an hour to get through this course, and we're going to be shooting at you. They're like, do you want a snack or not? You're like, no, I'm good. I work better faster. Like, you're not going to say that shit. You're going to be like, yeah, give me a fucking bagel so I can run the fuck up out of this island. Or, or is the bagel poison that's going to slow you down? Who knows, right? Do you even trust these people? I trust Why no the one. Why you take a bagel from them? I, exactly. Which will probably never get you into the scenario, but I trust everyone, so I've been in the scenario several <laughs> times. Um, so, like, it's one of these things where, you know, eating sometime before training probably enhances your energy production. It's probably good for performance. And on the other hand, eating within, you know, an hour after training generally is a better time to refuel yourself from training. It cuts down the catabolic processes of training and muscle burning processes and lets you start the recovery process early. So, like, if you have, like, an eight-hour window after you trained, before you went to sleep, and somebody asks, like, technically, when is the best time to eat if you're going to just eat once, it's probably as close to the training right after mm -hmm. it as you can. Mm -hmm. uh, so those, those are the two concerns that sort of immediately spring up our two most important meals, the pre-training and the post-training meal. And then, like, also, your body doesn't generally tend to want to build muscle if you don't expose it to uh, muscle growth, uh, promoting nutrients, sort of not all the time, but most of the time. And a lot of that's protein. So, like, every, like, oh, four to six, maybe four to seven hours, your body wants another meal that uh, has a lot of high-quality protein in it. So you're probably going to sandwich in a couple more of those meals in the day, and one of them is going to occur, like, closer to bedtime, so you have some amino acids in your blood while you sleep, which means you're going to grow a little better, probably recover a little better. So on the net balance, that is like, if, if you're an athlete and you train once a day, you can probably eat as few as three meals a day and get most of those things checked off, but you're probably better off eating like more, maybe like four or five meals, and that'll be probably the close to optimal, and anything between like four and seven meals is probably a wash between all those is how effective. But then it gets a little more complicated if you eat, uh, if you train multiple times a day and you're a very serious athlete, especially if you train very long durations, like several hours, intra-workout shakes become meaningfully different then. It's probably a good idea to have some of those. And uh, nutrient timing is really important. Like if you train twice a day, if you get in carbs as soon as you're done training the first time, you have more glycogen and more energy for that second workout versus if you wait a, even 30 minutes or an hour, it could notably affect your workout poorly if you wait. So then neutral time becomes more specific and probably more like four to six, four to seven meals becomes closer to optimal. Uh, what about the protein distribution? You mentioned uh, kind of triggering some protein synthesis throughout the day would be good, three to four. Um, you know, there's talk of how much protein you should have at each meal. I assume if you're having three to four, you would just want to kind of break up your protein evenly? Yeah, that's exactly the right assumption. Yeah, so generally speaking, you just want to break up your protein into roughly even increments. Uh, and how do you get the increments? Is like, well, you know, your number of meals and your total daily protein. If you're taking like a gram per pound a day, which is reasonable, then you just divide that shit by like three, four, five, or six or whatever, and you get your protein amount. So is there some difference there, like some variation? Totally. Like, can you have like a 30-gram whey protein shake and then later have like a 70-gram uh, protein steak? Totally. But just don't do anything... Don't be crazy, like have five grams of protein in one meal and 90 grams in the other. Mm. Like, there's nothing wrong with the 90 grams, except most of it's going to be burned for energy because your body can only anabolize, turn into muscle enough, some protein at some time. So it's not that the 90 is too much, your body can't process it. Like, you can process it, it's just going to burn it, most of it off for energy. You'd be better off taking, you know, cap like at least 30 grams off that 90, stuff it into 35 instead of five, and now you have two anabolic meals versus just one meal that's anabolic and one meal that's not. So let's take a, an average person who is trying to lose 20 pounds or something like that. Does their their meal timing or, or just how frequently they eat make any difference at all, if calorie equated? Are they training with weights or no? No. 
Uh, no, it makes pretty much no difference at all. Yeah. yeah. So if you eat well, one meal a day and you eat the same calories five meals a day, no. Uh, one thing that nutrient timing almost certainly has no effect on is your uh, metabolic rate. Um, there is a little bit of nuance with non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Mm. If you are one of these people that responds really well to intermittent fasting, then when you're not stuffed full of food, you have lots of energy and you move around the day, no problem, and maybe something like coffee helps with that. Um, and then it does, does not an issue, but some people, if they don't eat consistently, their activity levels drop off because they get so tired. Do you guys have any friends or family that like, if they don't eat every three or four hours, they just stop. They're like, I need to eat or I won't be able to get any work done. I won't be able to move around. Like, yeah, that's a hangry thing. People. So if you're one of... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you're one of those people, you can actually get slightly worse results in a weight loss plan if it's not enough meals because your expenditure of energy will turn down because you don't have enough energy to move around. But generally speaking, within a very wide range of meals for most people, it doesn't fucking matter. You eat two meals a day or six meals a day, you're going to lose the same amount of weight. Now, how much of that will be muscle versus fat? If you're not training, there's going to be fucking no difference pretty much. If you're training, then you're going to retain significantly more muscle eating many meals per day or more than three versus eating less than three. It's not a ton, but it's significant, meaning that we can detect it in studies. So if you want to diet for a bodybuilding show, you're not going to do it intermittent fasting. You can. You're just going to lose way more muscle than you need to. Uh, I know you mentioned protein out evenly uh, throughout the meals, and it might depend on sport or the athlete and obviously the goals. But what does some of the carb distribution say for someone that's doing four meals a day and their trainings in the middle of the day look like? Just generally. Yeah, totally. So, like, yeah. So, you know, you can – there's a lot of ways to slice it, but probably a more optimal way – would be like, you know, have a little bit more than, so let's say you have like just your carbs split up evenly among all four meals to start with. You might like take instead of 25, so it's 25% of each meal, right? And instead of 25% for your pre-workout meal, you might go to like 30%. And instead for your post-workout meal of 25, you might go to like 40%. Mm. And that means you only have 15% of the AM meal, 15 in the PM. Like that's a good way to do it. What you don't want to do is like overvalue nutrient timing because it's not that powerful and be like, all right, 50% of my pre-workout, 50% of my post, zero fucking carbs in my AM and PM. And someone's like, hey, do you want peanut butter in your shake in the morning? You're like, fucking peanut butter is three grams of carbs per scoop. Are you out of your fucking mind? I'll get out of ketosis and I'll die. Like, <laughs> that shit's definitely not true. So just bias it a little bit, kind of like, you know, just a little bit more carbs pre and post, and, and then you've probably covered all your bases. Oh, wait, shameless plug. Can I make a shameless plug? Hit away. Absolutely. The fucking RP Diet app which your boy over here fucking created all the basic algorithms for, uh, actually does all this fucking shit for you. You don't have to think about a goddamn thing. You just type in your goals, type in your favorite foods, and shit tells you, it reminds you when to eat each meal. You get to pick your favorite foods, and it tells you how many of the combinations, how much to put on your plate, and you get all your fucking results. And then you're happy when you're leaner and you have a billion friends, and all of a sudden even the sky looks prettier. Dog's walking itself. Yeah, all again, that. dog walks itself. The dog respects you like it goddamn well should. Your images just appear on Instagram without actually any effort on your part. You don't have to post or write a caption. Yeah, Dude, you like, I I actually finished a diet recently and I walked by and there was like this brick wall in Philly and they had me, you guys remember like the hope and change Obama thing? Yeah. Like that photo. They had me like that on a wall. You and Meek Mill. That's it. Yeah. Him and I were together and and we were holding hands and I was like, I don't even know who the fuck Meek Mill is, but I'm down with him. (laughs) Uh, What about last but not least fat? Uh, How would we distribute fat? Um, throughout those four meals roughly uh so generally speaking if you eat lots of fats they reduce the rate at which carbohydrates are absorbed and Mm. proteins are absorbed um so if you eat a lot of fat in your pre-workout meal two things one your carbs won't get into your blood nearly as uh, quick as you want so you might be in a situation where you need carbs in the blood but they're still in the gi tract and two if you eat enough fat fat is um 
it's not in a, in any sense more difficult to digest. It just takes longer. It's more laborious of a digestion process for the GI tract. So um, if you have too much fat in your GI tract, then you're more likely to just ex- exhibit like gastric uh, distress mm. when you're exercising really hard. Like for example, you know, you don't show up to Chipotle like 30 minutes before a hard squat workout. You're like double guac, double cheese, double fucking sour cream, and double that sour cream again and then twice. Like, sir, the entire burrito sour cream, you're like, that's what I fucking want. You got fucking hear me. <laughs> so like, if you do lard. that, right, exactly, you're like, order a regular burrito and then order just a fucking tortilla with sour cream in it. They're like, just charge them. I don't know what to charge them. Just here's, here's the shit for free. Just don't come back to our store anymore. <laughs> yeah, free. Um, yeah. <laughs> don't blow but up if our you bathroom. Do that, yeah, exactly. He's like, well, like you see the guy finish the two burritos and he goes into your bathroom. Like, God damn it. Do not give that guy the code. Do not give him the code for the bathroom. Um, but yeah, so like if you eat too much fat, like you would never do that, right? Because you would just blow chunks during squatting. Or if you're doing like a cyclist, you would blow chunks on your bike. And vomit is really difficult to clean out of like the gears of your bike. I'd imagine. Believe it or not. Yeah. For sure. So, you know, this is purely theoretical. I've never been on a bicycle in my entire life. My quads are too fucking big, brothers. They can't even touch the fucking pedals. But but no, like, yeah, so so fat interferes with that. And, and again, the, the same problem or similar problem is available on the backside of a workout or after a workout. You want carbohydrates to get into the bloodstream and amino acids relatively quickly. And if you eat a bunch of fat, that doesn't really happen. So fat in a nutrient timing generally behaves inversely to carbohydrates. Like when your carbs are high, pre-workout, post-workout, your fats are lower, lower. So people like... People take the shit to the extreme and they're like, all right, so I was figuring out kids' cereals to eat post-workout, which is, by the way, a really good post-workout treat with some protein. And they're like, this one cereal is a gram of, of fucking fat. I want just zero fat because that gram's going to fuck me up. That gram isn't going to do shit. Just don't put gobs of peanut butter in your shit and you'll be good to go. Yeah, easy. Perfect. Man, that was uh, everything we could have asked for in the question. Mike, this is your time. Plug away. Where can people find you? RP Dr. Mike on Instagram. Oh, sorry, at RP. If I didn't say the app, what the fuck would people type in, right? It'd be so no lost. Like yeah, like how does this work? So at RP Dr. Mike on Instagram uh, is my personal account. Renaissance Periodization is at RP Strength, and that's where you can find links to the RP Diet app. The thing after the app uh, we talked about recently was a joke. Uh, it doesn't actually make dogs smile at you or portraits <laughs> of you appear. But I'm it out. does do all the other shit I said. That's not entirely a joke. So it is a real app. Please give it a shot free trial. Uh, so that's where you can find me. Awesome. I'm Silent Mike. YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, uh, what's the other one? Twitter. Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. All those stupid things. <laughs> you said YouTube twice. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm probably on some other channel. Who knows? <laughs> I think we all were. Uh, anyway, I am at the Jim McD-, Jim McD. I can't even talk. I am at the Jim McD on all the social medias. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. 50% facts where percent is a word. Leave us a rating review on iTunes. Tell all your friends. Share on social media the wealth of information that uh, Dr. Mike has provided for us in this episode. And we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>